Okay, if we want to get our Bibles and let's, while the children are leaving, turn to Genesis chapter 13. We have some volunteer readers to help us read select portions. We won't read the whole uh, section. We will read select parts, Lord willing. And uh, we want each of us to follow along in this reading in select portions of Genesis 13 through 15. And then we will make a few comments. If we could get that, uh, please get that uh, PowerPoint up on. There we go. Okay, that will remind us of where we are. And then let's go ahead and read uh, Julio first, I believe. Chapter 13, verse 1. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also, who went with Abram, and had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, and that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herds, men, the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Parasites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. Continuing on in verse 10. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan, and that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go to Zor. So Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give to you and your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are the Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Uh, this is Genesis 14, uh, 12 through the end. Uh, they also took Lot, Abram's brother's, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, uh, the, the Amorite, uh, the Amorite brother of Eshol, and brother of Aner, and they were allies with Abram. 
Now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, uh, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And yes, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley, after his return from from the defeat of Shadorlamer and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be, Abraham, blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. Uh, now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth, and I will take nothing, uh, and I, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and I will take, and I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say I have made Abram rich, except only what the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men who went with me, Aner, Estral, and Mamre, uh, let them take their portion. From chapter 15, it be verses 1 through 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Thank you, Julio, Isaiah, Ben, and Jason for the reading, public reading. Of the Word of God. So, just before we make a few remarks on Genesis 13 through 15, we'll just take a brief overview of the book of Genesis. It could be generally divided in this way, simply, I should say, simply divided in this way the primeval uh, era, that is, the earliest ages of mankind in creation, and the patriarchal. Uh, period. That is, using it in the scriptural uh, uh, definition, the Bible calls Abraham the patriarch. Uh, the patriarch Abraham, it refers to him in Hebrews chapter 7, the patriarchal period with the uh, fathers of the Hebrew nation. So just a general uh, type of uh, division for the book of Genesis. We are in the book of Genesis for this quarter and the next quarter in the will of the Lord. Remember that we try in the will of the Lord to go through the Bible uh, between five and six years uh, a session uh, to go to cover as much as we possibly can. And we are currently in Genesis. 
It's another way we could divide this if we wanted to, the record of ten generations or uh, histories or account. There is a phrase that you'll see a number of times in the book of Genesis. These are the generations or these are the history. This is the account, whatever translation you may use. And that's another way to divide the book of Genesis. And for instance, you'll see these are the generations or this is the history of the heavens and earth, Genesis 2, 4. And then these are the generations of Adam, chapter 5, verse 1. So we can divide it in a number of ways, but we'll just simply leave it like that to uh, help us get a grasp on, on the, uh, how it's uh, laid out. And then we're going to just think a little bit about Genesis being the book of beginnings. Now, there's three main beginnings. First of all, there's the beginning of Adam in uh, the beginning of the human race in Adam. And that's laid out for us, of course, from Genesis one through five. And we have the account of creation. Now, we know that that is scoffed at in the world in which we live. Right. Especially in the uh, academic world. Right. Um, and probably in your office at work or in your neighborhood, right? Scoffed at because we believe the Bible. But, you know, when you think about it, even logically, God is the only person that was there when it took place. So to, so to, to lay hold of theories, right, no matter how learned these individuals are, they were not there, right? We understand. It's through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by God, says the writer of Hebrews. And so we understand that God was there and God created the heavens and the earth. So that's one beginning. And then there's another beginning we might call uh, the beginning of the post-Diluvian earth. Now, that's after the flood, right? Flood, Diluvian, right? So in Noah, there's another beginning in chapter 6 through 11. And that's of these three, it says, of the sons of Noah were divided all that are upon the earth, face of the earth. So if I want to know where I came from, right? Of course, by one man, Adam, we all descended. But there's also another division, right? The three sons of Noah. We can all, if we could, trace our way back there. So in Noah, the beginning of the post-Diluvian earth. In Abraham, the beginning of the nation of Israel and uh, 12 through 50. Now, really, the bulk of Genesis, think about this for a minute. The bulk of Genesis is the story of one man and his family, right? Abraham is known as the father of the faithful, the father of the Jewish nation. And it is here in this book of uh, Genesis that God calls Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees and he tells him to go to a land that he would, would inherit. He actually didn't in his lifetime, but he gave him great promises and we are thankful uh, for that. Now, um, again, well, we're going to comment a little bit more about uh, the, the nation of Israel in a minute. We'll wait till then. Uh, yes, Genesis is the book of beginnings, but it's really the beginning of everything, right? The beginning of everything except for God. You know, some uh, would, uh, when, when you began to discuss the uh, word of God and, and, and the origin of man, the origin of creation, they'll say, well, who made God? Well, the Bible just starts with God, right? Simply starts with God. He is the uncreated, transcendent, holy God's self-sufficient, self-existent, and that's how he starts his word. And so we take God at his word. Uh, again, God is the only one who was there at the beginning of creation, and he, get, he gives us an accurate account. Now, the Jewish people, remember Abraham, we find in him the father of the Jewish nation. And this is a people, it's good to note this because 
Uh, there is a certain theology nowadays that discounts everything about what God has said about the nation of Israel. Right. It's called replacement theology and says the church is now replaced Israel. Well, that's not true. The Bible, the Jewish people are people bound by covenant. We noticed that, I believe, last week in Genesis chapter 12. The people loved by God. Jeremiah 31, 30, uh, verse 3. I have loved you with an everlasting love. A people divinely preserved. If we were to look in Jeremiah chapter 31, it is remarkable the promise that God made about this nation. Now, we, we, we should stop and say, is God in favor of everything that this nation does right now individually? Well, no, no, because we know that from the word of God, how he took issue with the nation of Israel, oftentimes because of their activities and their actions. But he says in uh, uh, Genesis, cha uh, Jeremiah, chapter 31, he says this, that uh, thus saith the Lord who gives the sun for a light by day and the ordinance of the moon and the stars for a light by night, which divides the sea when the waves thereof war roar. If those ordinances depart from me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall cease from being a nation before me forever. If heaven and earth can be measured and the foundations of the earth search out beneath, I will cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. It can't be measured, right? There are parts of this earth that cannot be measured and it won't be. And so the Lord will never cast them off. He, he, they are a people bound by covenant, loved by God, divinely preserved. And they are a people with a radiant future. We don't want to take too much time with that, but just notice that because we're going as we get in. Last week, we started chapter 12. And as we go through 13 through the rest of the uh, book of Genesis, we're going to see a lot, right, about the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And they take up the bulk of the book of Genesis and, of course, the bulk of the Old Testament. All right. So Genesis 13 through 15, we're just going to throw up a general uh, uh, outline and, and try to make a few comments in the few minutes that we have. Genesis chapter 13 through 15 or through through 14, we have there Abraham and Lot. And then in uh, chapter 15, we have Abraham and the Lord. And then I believe we have a subdivision there. There's separation from Lot in chapter 13 and there's the salvation of Lot in chapter 14. So let's just make a few comments in the few minutes we have remaining about Genesis 13, 14 and 15. Genesis 13, of course, opens up with Abraham coming out of Egypt. God called him to go to Canaan. He had a lapse of faith, as it were, and we looked at that last week. And now he went down into Egypt. Now he's coming up out of Egypt. And he is going back to Bethel. And that's where he failed, right? He was in Bethel, chapter 12, verse 8. He removed from thence uh, on the east side of Bethel and pitched his tent having Bethel. Bethel is the house of God uh, in, in Hebrew, house of God. Beth, house, El, God. Bethel, house of God. On the west, Ai on the east, and there he built an altar. So that's where he was. But now he's going after the failure, he's going to go back. And there's a good practical lesson for you and me there, right? Because we want to be in tune with the house of the Lord. We want to be walking in fellowship with the Lord. We want to be worshiping the Lord like Abraham with his altar. But we also realize that we're human and there are mistakes that come our way. But we want to, if we fail, failure doesn't need to be final, right? Tomorrow is another day. I don't have to rest in that failure. I can go back to the house of God. I can go back to where I failed. That's what Abraham did, right? Under the place of the altar which he had made, and Abraham called on the name of the Lord. 
And then we see Abraham separated from Lot. Now, Lot is introduced to us in chapter 11, the last part of chapter 11. It's Abraham's nephew. And he, uh, we note here that there was great riches between the two. Uh, Abraham had flocks. Lot, Lot also had flocks. And the land was not able to bear them. Now, there was a strife between the two sets of companies. Right? Now, what was the problem with that? There was inner strife, but there was an outer effect. Right? Now, that's a good practical lesson, too. Because there are issues that arise in, in, in the people of God. And there's inner strife. But it, it has effect on the outward of people that are standing around outside. I remember uh, some years back, I, there was a, a fellow believer at work, and we began to discuss certain issue, issues in, in, in the Word of God. And, and as we were d- d- discussing some of the things, there was a little bit of a disagreement. And I'll never forget, there was a, an individual standing by that was not even a believer. He was the furthest thing from a believer. And he just pointed and he said, see, that's all you Christians do is you argue. And here, you see, there was this strife, but Abraham, he said, let's, let's separate. Let's, let, let's, he said, let's... He was a peacemaker. There's peaceable wisdom. The Bible talks about peaceable wisdom. Let there be no strife between me and you, between my herdman and thy herdman, for we are brothers. There may become issues in your life and mine where we don't agree with another Christian, but we want to forbear one another in love. We want to act in a Christ-like manner. And that's exactly what uh, Abraham did. He said, uh, let us make for peace. Because of those that are standing around, the Canaanite and the Parasite, the Bible says, was then in the land. The, uh, I think it was uh, Mr. Barnhouse that said, Many people will never listen to what any believer says because of what some believers are. And that's a shame, right? We want to hold a good testimony. Abraham separated from Lot. And then the Bible says, so Lot takes this choice. Abraham says, you do, you, you go where you want. You lift up your eyes. I'll leave the choice to you. The Bible says in verse 10, Genesis 13, Lot lifted up his eyes, right? And he, he beheld the, the plain of Jordan. It was good for cattle and so forth. So he journeyed east and they separated the one from the other. So here was the separation from Abraham and Lot. Abram, verse 12, dwelled in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and he moved his tent toward Sodom. And then the Bible makes this comment, verse 14. But the men of Sodom were exceeding, were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Another, there's other translations that say they were great sinners. <clears throat> Now, we're going to learn next week in the will of the Lord what happened to, to, to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. What was it that attracted Lot to this area? Did he make his choice merely because it, it, it fit his current situation, right? It was a well-watered plain, right? We have to be careful about making choices, right? Abraham gave the choice to Lot. Lot chose what he wanted. But you know who Abraham let choose for him? The Lord, right? Because it says, now the Lord said to Abraham, lift up your eyes 
Now, Lot lifted up his eyes, right? And he looks around and he sees, aha, that's what I want. But the Bible, the Lord now says to Abraham, you lift up your eyes. See what I have chosen for you. Here's the divine deed, right? He may have let Lot take part, but God says, lift up your eyes. And there was a divine deed given to Abraham for all now, he says. To him and his seed, look northward, southward, eastward, westward. All the land which you see, to you will I give it and to your seed forever. <laughs> Let Lot have his little property. They, it all belonged to Abraham. It's better. Another practical lesson. It's better in our lives to let the Lord choose for us, right? And not make our own choices. Let the Lord choose. Lot lifted up his eyes and he looked, right? We want to make our choices based on the Lord. And then in chapter number 14, there's a salvation of Lot. Now, they separated themselves one from the other. Here was Abraham the worshiper and Lot the worldling, right? They separated one from the other. But, you know, Abram was separate, right? He stayed in the land of Canaan, as it were, before where God had told him to go. He was separated. Genuine faith leads to independence from the world, not indifference to it. In other words, here... Abraham was separate from the world, as it were, where all the sinners were, right? Great sinners. He did not choose to go that path where great sinners were. You and I need to be careful about the choices we make, right? Lot chose to go in that direction. But Abraham, the worshiper, he separated himself. But he wasn't isolated, right? He wasn't isolated from, uh, from Lot and the troubles that would come. Isolation chills. It's self-centered. Separation warms. It's Christ-centered. And so here was Abraham the worshiper that built his altar and he dwelt where the Lord would have him. And also, because there there came up trouble, Lot was going to get captured by this, uh, this band. You know, the, the bulk of Genesis is about Abraham and his family. But it doesn't, it, you know, there's other historical references, right? The Lord takes note of these in, individuals, right, that are in the world that have to do with his people. So that's why it says in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Elasar, Ketaleomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations. These made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, and Shemeber, king of Zeboam, and, and, and the king of uh, Bela, which is Zoar. The Lord takes notice of all these things. You know what history is, Right? His story, his story. So, so, you know, the things that are going on round about me, you know, we're thankful that the Lord has all things in his hand. He takes note of, of things that are happening in history because it's his story. But he's only zeroing in on, on Abraham and his people. And so what happened is all these individuals, you know, they come in. They'll never be mentioned probably in any other passage, but they come in into, into the pages of Scripture because they have encroached. On somebody that's related to the man of God. And they took him captive. And that's where we took up reading. They took Lot captive. And their word came in verse... uh, Oh, oh, by the way, Lot in verse 12 of chapter 13, he moved his tent towards Sodom. Look where he is in chapter 14, verse 12. He's living in Sodom. You know what? It is so easy when our hearts get attracted to sin. Listen, you know what the Bible calls sin? Ephesians, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. The pleasures of sin. Lot not only looked 
and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Now he's dwelling there. And the testimony of Scripture is these were great sinners. What does a righteous man have to do in a place where there's great sinners? Right? We need to be careful what kind of choices we make. And, and now you see Lot, he, he goes from this place of separation. Now he goes from a place of strife and now separation. Now he's going to be captured. Right? He's going to be taken by these kings and, and taken away. But the word comes to Abram the Hebrew. The word, understand, is uh, from the other side. Uh, <clears throat> Abram the Hebrew, that's the first, def, uh, first mention, I believe, of the, of the word Hebrew. And Abram gathers together. You, could, you can see what kind of individual Abram must have been to have such a household that he could have 318 trained servants to go and pursue. Now, he might have just said of Lot, Na, 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 na. You made your bed, now you sleep in it. You made your cake, now you eat it. No, he didn't do that. He, he went in spite of the choice of Lot, right? This godly man went and he would rescue his wayward nephew. What a wonderful lesson for us, right? That he would go and in spite of the choice of Lot, he would go. And he delivered him. And that's what the Bible exactly says. That, uh, ben read for us that he brought back all the goods. Verse 16. And he brought back his brother, nephew, actually Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. Now, notice he delivered Lot. You know where Lot ended up, though? It's not in our chapter. Lot ended up right back in Sodom. He was physically delivered. But where was his heart? In Sodom. So you and I need to be careful, right? That what is in our heart, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. We need to lay hold of the Lord by faith and believe the word of God, right? Lot ended up, yeah, he was rescued, but he went uh, right back to Sodom at a later time. He turned his soul over to Sodom. I'm sure he was thankful for the deliverance. By the way, as uh, next week, especially if we get into uh, something more of Lot, we're going to we would hardly believe that the man was a believer if it wasn't for the New Testament. Second Peter, that righteous man dwelling among them vexed his righteous soul with the deeds of Sodom and Gomorrah from day to day. What a hard experience to be in the midst of such sin and depravity and corruption vexed his righteous soul from day to day. It's like you or I going down to Fantasy Fest in Key West. Or we can go right here in Pembroke Pines. We can invite some of this rubbish into our home with movies, right? And here we are. You know, why, do we, why would we choose to do something like that? But the Bible says that that righteous man vexed his righteous soul. From day to day. What a misery he must have found himself in because of his choice. And again, we're going to learn more about Lot at a later time. But here, Abraham rescues Lot. And all of a sudden, there appears on the scene this man, Melchizedek. Now, think of this. Think of this scene that, that they found themselves in. And this man, Melchizedek. Now, this is the first mention of him. He's going to be mentioned in a number of other portions in the Word of God. So it's good to take note. Law first mention, right? Who... Where what what details we get about this individual, right? He was the he was the king of Salem and he was the priest of the most high God. Now, let's think about this in a practical sense for a moment. Where did this man come from? King of righteousness in the midst of wickedness. 
king of righteousness in the midst of wickedness. Where did this man come from? All of a sudden, the Lord appears. The Lord has him appear on the pages of Scripture. And he was a priest of the Most High God in the midst of such corruption and depravity. Now, I know that there are some that think this may be a, uh, you know, a pre, uh, uh, it could be pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord. But it just, we just take it on the face value of Scripture. Consider, says the uh, writer of Hebrews, consider how great this man was, right? Who having neither uh, beginning of days nor end of life, having neither father or mother and so forth. That, that, that seems to be he's an actual human being. And so we take it at face value. The king of righteousness and the priest of the Most High God. All of a sudden he appears in such a corrupt society. And there he blesses uh, Abraham. And we see that he comes not with a sacrifice, but with memorials of a sacrifice. Uh, the bread... And the wine. And here, the king of Sodom, we read, uh, he, he gave him, the Bible says that, that he gave him, Melchizedek, tithes of all. But then the king of Sodom, verse 21, turns around and says, Give me the persons, give me the souls, and take the goods to yourself. Uh, no, says Abraham, I have lift up my hand unto the Lord, the most high God. Now, that's the, uh, the second reference. The first reference he gets from Melchizedek. He's the priest of the most high God. So there was some revelation that Melchizedek brought to Abraham revealed by this. It's going to be called the priest that the uh, a priest after the order of Melchizedek revealed to Abraham was this uh, aspect of God, the priest. I will I will. Uh, have lift up my hand unto the Lord, the Most High God. The king priest had done his work. He had uh, revealed to Abraham who he was, and Abraham, and then who the Lord was. And Abraham had said, "I won't need. I don't need anything from from these people. I will not take a thread nor a shoe latchet." Who needs possessions, as it were, when he's in touch with the possessor? Right? Here's the Lord of heaven and earth. And in fact, he opens chapter 15 and says, I am thy shield to Abraham. I am thy shield and your exceeding great reward. You know, there's something better than gifts in this world. There's something better than possessions in this world. What's better than gifts? The giver. What's better than possessions? The possessor. Right? And so I, as a child of God, you as a child of God, have the privilege of walking by faith throughout our corrupt society and laying hold of the giver, laying hold of the possessor. I may have, I don't may not have much of this world's goods, but I have the possessor. He gives to all, uh, the Bible says, richly all things to enjoy. And so we want to lay hold of him as Abraham uh, did here. Abraham honored God in chapter 14. And now God is going to honor Abraham. I and thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Just one more comment as we go to chapter uh, 15. We read just the first six verses. And here, God is going to re uh, convey his uh, uh, covenant to, to uh, Abraham. And we remember at this time that Abraham had no seed, as it were, born in his house. You think about that. You know, all he had at that time was Lot, right? Lot went with him, and now Lot separated from him. That was the closest he would have had, you know. But Lot made his choice and moved on. But the Lord had other things in mind, of course. Uh, you have given me no seed, Abraham said. 
And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, verse 4, This shall not be thine heir. All he had was Eliezer of Damascus. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thy heir. And so now he brings him out. And he says, look toward heaven and count, tally, record the stars if you're able to do it. Right? Do you have the King James, that word, tell a number of the same words. Tell the stars, number the stars. If you can tally them, if you can record them, so shall your seed be. The answer to Abraham's concern about having no heir is in heaven. Look toward heaven. It's not in earthly schemes. The creative power that Abraham had come in touch with was actually the one that could provide the heir for him. And then it says, the lastly, verse number six, Abraham believed in the Lord and he, the Lord, counted it to him, Abram, for righteousness. Now, you might ask a practical question here. Why? Why was Abraham justified by this faith? He believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Why was he not justified by the faith earlier in chapter 12? By faith, he went out not knowing where he went, right? Why was it here? Well, I don't know that I have the final answer, but I know Genesis chapter 12, the faith promise there concerns a land. Abraham went out not knowing where he went to claim the land. But here, the faith promise concerns the seed, which we know is the Lord Jesus. He's identified in the New Testament in Galatians chapter 3. But what this does, and this will close, Genesis 15:6 becomes a bit of a case law for a New Testament for a New Testament truth. That is a law based on a judicial decision and precedent. This is quoted in Romans chapter 4, Galatians chapter 3, and James chapter 2. Abraham believed in the Lord and God counted it to him for righteousness. Now this truth, of course, is scoffed at among religious people of today. What do you mean believing on the Lord and you will be made righteous? Surely you have to work for this righteousness. The Bible declares that Abraham was justified by faith. He was declared right because he believed in the Lord. Now, you and I are in that same category. There is justification. God declares us right the moment we believe. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. When you or I trust Christ as Savior, the moment we do, we're justified. Abraham believed God and God counted it to him for righteousness. But see, religious world gets it messed up with sanctification. Well... I've got to work for this sanct. I've got to work for this good standing, this good state. No. God said He declares us right the moment we trust Christ. And also, He begins a process called sanctification where He makes us right. But we're no more declared right at the end than we are at the beginning. The moment I trust Christ, the moment you trust Christ, just like Abraham, he looked, the answer was in the heaven. He believed the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Simple faith and trust in the Lord Jesus will save a sinner. Let's speak to the sinner first. Lord Jesus, I will trust you. I will trust you with my soul. I'm guilty, I'm lost, I'm helpless, but you can make me whole. There is none in heaven or on earth like thee. You have died for sinners, therefore, Lord, for me. So to the sinner, 
There's righteousness the moment they believe. But what about to you and me, the saint, who know Christ as Savior? Where do we stand? Do we believe God? Well, Abraham's going to be a good model for us. Abraham was justified by faith the moment he believed in the Lord. But you know, Abraham had lapses in his faith, but he was still justified. Abraham's going to have some lapses again, we're going to read. But he was still justified. And we want to take note of that to follow. The, the Bible says, be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. It is so easy to get impatient with the Lord. That's why Abraham turned to his maidservant, because God was so long in performing that promise. He turns to his, well, his wife said, I have a better idea. Let's not wait on the Lord. You go into your, my maidservant, Hagar. You'll have a child by her. Ha huh? That's what you'll do. He wasn't patient to wait on the Lord. We can learn from that, right? But here, Abraham justified by faith. We trust that as we go through these lessons, we'll learn something of the Lord and something for our own selves as we walk like Abraham when the Canaanite and the Perizzite are in the land. All around us are those that don't believe, that scoff at the Lord. But you and I can stand strong in our faith and walk and please the Lord, right? I don't have to go around pleasing the world like, a, like Lot. And Lot was judged. You know where Lot ended up. We're going to learn about that. What a shameful end Lot had. Shameful end. Let's not be like the worldling. Let's be like the worshiper. Abraham, and follow and believe the Lord. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we are grateful for these few lessons that we can learn from this great man, Abram. And we do bless you for it. We thank you for giving us your word and giving us the freedom in this great land. We thank you for this weekend that reminds us how grateful we are to live in this land of the free and home of the brave. Although we see corruption now all around us, we feel like in some sense we are in a Sodom and Gomorrah, the way this nation has degenerated. But we're still in a free country and we can have the word of God and we can lay hold of thee by faith. So, oh God, we pray that it may be the desire and purpose of each of our souls here this morning to lay hold of thee and to follow in a path that will be well pleasing to thee. Looking forward to that statement from the Lord. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We give thee our thanks and part us with thy blessing now. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.